Yes, yes, we are continuing in our Beatitudes conversation today, and we're really excited about this morning. I'm thankful for this morning because Adrian and I get to share together, which we're always really excited to do that. So if you want to get your notes out, we're going to jump right into it this morning. We started this conversation a few weeks ago, and we'll be doing it for a few more weeks because there's eight or nine statements of the Beatitudes that help us live this countercultural life that God has designed for you and I. See, what happens in the Beatitudes is Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, walks up on this mountain and gives what's called the Sermon on the Mount, where he gives probably one of his most important messages to lean into, where he gets up and reminds us, hey, here's how it works. Here's what God is all about. Here's who you are. And he starts this sermon, this message, with the Beatitudes, reminding us that there is a countercultural way to live. Because Jesus, remember, tells us that, you know, there's an enemy in our life that comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come so that you may have life to the full. And the Beatitudes are that kind of roadmap to live that full life that God has created for us. So as we start the message, we've been doing this every single week. I want to read out the Beatitudes for you this morning from Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1, and then we'll go through our beatitude for this morning. It says this, One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. There's some good news there. Give me a strong amen. Come on, that's good stuff today for us. God wants to bless you. He wants to show you what this life is all about. And really, if you lean into this whole conversation, this is the first thing to write down this morning, is the Beatitudes teach us this, is that happiness in our life is about happenings, the things that happen to us or happen around us. It affects our happiness. But when we follow Jesus and surrender our life to him, we move into joy. And joy is strong and present and there no matter what our circumstances or happenings around us because joy is internal and it's based and built on Jesus. It's based and built on the Son of God. I want you to know today you can have joy no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what is happening around you you can have joy. We've started this conversation leaning into even deeper the mental health idea in our life and making sure that we're healthy in our minds and in our spirits and our emotional state. And one of the biggest things that can bring us healing there is remembering that there is joy and that Jesus wants to give us joy today, that we can trust him and he's there and he's with us no matter what. And I'm really excited about the beatitude this morning because I believe it can encourage and help all of us. From Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, here's what it says. Blessed 
are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And we're going to define and unpack today what that word meek means. Because probably a lot of us don't wake up in the morning saying, hey, I can't wait to be meek today. Because some of us would say, what does that even mean? (laughs) It's not our first reaction. It's not our first inclination. But what this beatitude reminds us is blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Yeah, and just to say one little thing about our previous point about joy. I think sometimes when we hear, well, you can have joy, you know, sometimes in the church you can digest that as, okay, well, just like throw on a happy face and everything's fine. That's not you can have joy in your pain. That's not what we mean. That joy is a settling that, hey, no matter what's going on right now, I know my God's got me. I know that the best is yet to come because he promised it and what he promises comes to pass. So it's not a fretting. It's not, I'm nervous and I'm, I'm caught up in my pain because I don't see an end in sight. The joy set before us is that Jesus paid it all already. And so that we know that there is a good result no matter what will come. So we don't have to strive in the meantime. So I hope that blesses somebody because I think sometimes we can say, oh my God, I'm going through all this stuff. I have to have joy though. (laughs) You know, it's not a performance. It's an inner knowing that my God is for me. No matter what this says, I'm going to be okay because my God said that I will. So I just wanted to encourage the house with that. Yeah, if you receive that today, local city, come on, let's get excited for the message today. We like to shout amen. We like to clap because this is a conversation. This is something we're excited about this morning. And I want to pray over you as we jump into this today that we would open our hearts and open our minds. Actually, Adrian, why don't you pray for us today as we jump into this message? God, we know that you want to speak to us this morning. God, we know that it's no mistake that we walked through the doors, that we sat down. So God, right now, I pray that we would just open our heart. God, that it wouldn't be uh, looking for validation for what we already think. But God, we're asking you to speak into us. Make us more like Jesus. Speak to our heart and say what you want to say. God, because we know that you are for us, not against us. God, we know that you come in kindness and humility to give us the best possible life, the life to the full. So God, I pray over this message today, Lord, that you would use Ryan and I as vessels to speak your word. We give it to you and we submit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yes, yes. Would you uh would you do me one favor and, and give a nice shout and welcome all those people who are watching for Local City Church online as well. So glad you're with us today, wherever you're at, watching today or on demand. We're excited you are with us today and we're excited for this conversation. So meekness, right? That interesting word, a unique word. I doubt if remember we've ever applied for a job and people say, Hey, what are your strengths? meekness is the first thing that we write down because once again we're probably learning a little bit what it means it's not a common word but we do understand the word humility and what it means to be humble and honestly that's kind of what meekness is about is this understanding of that it's not all about me in life and walking through this position of you know what I can let go and trust that God is going to be God 
I don't know about you, but when there's situations when life begins to bring some adversity, my natural reaction is just to shout louder and work harder and hustle faster to make sure things can get solved. Now, you know me. I've been watching the Lightning Games over the last week, and that's been my, tr- that's my, been my fix. been watching them trying to yell at the TV a little louder. Come on, guys, let's go, trying to make sure they can play a little faster, play a little harder, because I believe if I can shout loud enough, maybe they'll hear me me. And they'll play a little harder, play a little better. We could use some help this evening as they play tonight and try and even things back up. Yes, thank you for my friends out there who are with me. But I know that in life, it doesn't always work that way. It's not always about shouting louder. It's not always about working harder. It's not always about trying to take all this pressure on myself to perform and move and get loud. Sometimes it's just about being meek. Because the beatitude tells us it's blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are who practice meekness and let go and let God, for they will inherit some really great things. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes here. But I love this idea. The Beatitudes are all about not a give and get type thing, but it's really, if you begin to live your life this way, here's what's going to happen. Here's the byproduct of what is naturally going to happen because of the way God has designed things. Now, there are some things we have to dispel about humility and about meekness. And I want you to write this down as Adrian speaks to it in this moment. I can't read your handwriting, so I'm going to read the screen. <laughs> um, meekness is not... Do we have it? Oh, here we go. Weakness, it, meekness is not weakness. It is strength surrendered and under control. I'm going to read that one more time because I baffled it the first time. <clears throat> Meekness is not weakness. It is strength surrendered and under control. Yes. Can I get a little bit vulnerable with you guys this morning? Is that okay? Is yes. this a safe place? Everybody's good with that? I really struggled with this word because I don't know. Is there anybody with a big personality in the room? Maybe you're outgoing a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. And if you're not, you're trying to be meek. God bless you. Um but I struggled with it because I, I read meek and I look through it through the lens of our, our culture and how the world would define meek. And it's, I felt so small. I'm like, man, do I have to make myself small to be more like Jesus? Like I really wrestled with it. Um, first, let me tell you, it's okay to have a hard time with what you read in the Bible sometimes. It's okay to read something and be like, God, this makes me feel some type of way. I don't know how I feel, but I trust you. And so I'm going to sit in it for a while. I'm going to sit and I'm going to ask and just say, God, your, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts and your ways are higher than my ways. So I'm going to submit that this is in your word. And so I'm going to ask you to reveal wisdom to me so that I can understand it. Yes. Can I tell you that God loves that? He loves that, that he says, okay, my children trust me enough to take me at my word. And so it says in the word that if we ask for wisdom, he gives it to us. Yes. And so... I was really struggling with this word because a lot of times, like, I, I have a big personality. I, I have a lot of ideas that I think will help because I love to be a helper. Um, and so I really struggle with it. And so I asked God, I'm like, God, you're going to have to give me wisdom about meekness. Um, and the more I thought about it, the Lord kind of convicted me. He goes, okay, well, what isn't meekness? What is it not? And all, all the times where maybe you're in a conversation and you are trying to be the loudest one. You're trying to get your point across where you're coming in hot, aggressiveness. What's, what's your heart when you're not being meek? Is it 
you are trying to get glory for yourself? Are you trying to be the one who knows it all, the one who's right, the one who's smart, the one uh, who's shining in that moment? Um, when you're not being meek, are you coming from a place where you want revenge and you want that person to be so wrong and sit in their wrongness and be wrong? And you are kind of coming from a place of pride. And I'm like, okay, I've done that at times. But there can be times where you have a, a righteous anger where, hey, there is injustice and someone needs to know and things need to change. Yes, like that's okay to have. But sometimes when you come in humility, Instead of trying to be right and push someone into wrongness, that's when the blessing can come. Because those other things, if it's bringing glory to myself, it's a cheap win. Like, yeah, I won that. Like, I think there's times in our marriage where we'll have an argument. And like, yeah, I won, but now I feel awful. <laughs> like, yes. It, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the big win. The big yeah. win is okay, our family unit is stronger. Mm -hmm. The big win is we're more connected and we're on the same page. The big win is we're stronger and more unified. So there's moments where, yeah, you can be right or you can be blessed. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you can have the small win of getting the glory for yourself in a moment, or you can have the small win of being the smartest, loudest person <laughs> in the room, or you can have the blessing of, hey, I came to this person in humility and in meekness, and I said, hey, I want us all to win here. Like, I, I love you so much, um, but I want to I bring this to you because I want us to be better and bring that thing that is convicting your heart. Bring the thing that is unjust and speaking into it from a solid wisdom of, you know what? If my voice isn't heard right now, if I don't get the glory for this, God's got it. Yeah. It's that inner knowing, right? And so that convicted me where... Meekness is not making yourself small, but meekness is going for the greater win of, okay, I'm going to come in humility, not to bring myself glory, but to bring what God's kingdom has to come. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the, the, the takeaway right there is, is it's not necessarily about trying to be right. It's about where, do, where am I going to be blessed? Where is the way to live life to be blessed? And the word picture that Jesus is using with this blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth, it's the word picture of, of a horse, really. And in the sense of this, think of a giant Clydesdale-type stallion horse. Very, a lot of power, a lot of speed, a lot of strength behind that. And when it is surrendered and under control, it can be used to do really good things. It can be used to transport us, up, you know, back in Jesus' time up to a place faster than you could get before. It could be used to plow a field or, you know, carry a heavy burden. It can be used to do what it was created to do. Its gifts and talents can be used for something that will help others. But if that powerful stallion horse refuses to surrender its strength and to have its strength under control, it can cause destruction to those around it. It can use the same strength, the same giftings and talents to hurt those around it rather than begin to help those around it. And it's this idea, again, of surrendered strength to bring our strength under control to where we're not fighting and trying to be loud to be right, but to be blessed. To find that internal joy that is based and built on Jesus. 
You think about the people in the Bible that lived with like the ultimate posture of meekness. One of the ones I think about is always Moses. If you're familiar with Moses, he led you know mil- a million people out of slavery in Egypt, and in his right hand was the staff of the Lord, and he used it to part the Red Sea, and he used it to bring victory in- during wartime, and he used it to bring water out of a rock. rock all these things, but he walked with meekness throughout his whole life, because there were times where if I was Moses, I just would have said, that's it. Israelites, you're done. You've disappointed me for the last time. Goodbye. But he didn't do that. He led with meekness. He trusted God, and he began to surrender the strength that he carried. You begin to think of people in the Bible like Elijah, who had who carried great miraculous power, but walked through meekness. He walked through understanding that if God, if not using it under the blessing of God, that I'm only using it to posture up and perform. I'm not using it to bless and serve and be really the person God has designed me to be. And then, of course, we think of the ultimate person ever who lived with meekness, Jesus. When people, when he was in that moment of need, that moment of desperation, that moment of weakness, when people said, if you are really God, save yourself, and he did the, the actual thing that a loving God would do where he, be, he stayed up there on the cross and still paid the price that we deserve to pay in ultimate meekness and surrendered his strength and brought his power under control, that is where we are truly, truly blessed. Because here's what he says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor. Are you working hard today? Are you stressed? Are you exhausted? And are heavy laden? Are you feeling like you have a burden on your life right now that you just cannot get rid of? Well, I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For these words right here, circle these for me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Come on, good old KJV, King James Version, with some yees and labors, O-U-R. Come on, that's good stuff, and it's for us today. Love a ye. For Jesus says that we, you, he is meek, meaning that he is welcoming. Jesus is meek, meaning that he is waiting with arms open wide, not trying to posture in a strong sense, but trying to posture to say, hey, you are welcome. Come unto me and I will give you rest. I want to help you with those burdens and those heavy laden things that you're dealing with. I want to help you today because I am meek. I love that another word you can use for meek is approachable. Like, are you approachable? Like when you're going about your life, is it truth and love or the opposite of that. I struggle here. Um, But when I was reading in the Word, what I loved, kind of a a cool example of not using meekness and transitioning into meekness was Paul. Because when you think of Paul's life in the beginning of his story, he came in real hot, like killing Christians on a crusade, like trying to end any momentum of this move of Jesus after Jesus rose. And then he had that life change, with God. And after that really helped build what we know of as the church. And so a lot of times he had to bring correction. And so I'm reading in the scripture and he's starting off these letters to the Corinthians saying, hey, I come to you humble and with a meek spirit. And then he really let them have it, which was awesome. Like, (laughs) hey, like this is, he could so easily be like, you guys are killing me. I am trying to build the church. Listen to me. If you listen to what I say, you'll be fine. What is wrong with you? But no, after 
he met Jesus, and after he had an experience with God, what was his posture? He still spoke with power, but his posture was, I come to you approachable. I want to I remind you who you are in Christ and what you're doing and what you're a part of, but I'm going to tell you something that's going to enrich you and tell you something that maybe is holding you back. And so that really brought encouragement to me from this point of you still get used in such a powerful way, but that approachability, are you approachable? Can, is your message going to be received and build the kingdom? And ultimately, again, Jesus was the greatest example yeah. of this. I think when you read about Jesus says, I'm meek and lowly, meaning that I have stepped down so you can approach me. I have stepped down so you can be blessed in your life and you can receive help when you need it, but also begin to live that countercultural way that he has strengthened us to live. I think about, see, what the Beatitudes are doing as we've been building this week after week. You see, this one, the first two are kind of internal. The first Beatitude was, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Like, internally, I am poor and I can do nothing without God. That's Beatitude number one. The second internal thing is blessed are those who mourn. When we deal with pain and difficulty in our life, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now, as we move on with the third beatitude, it begins to, how do we live our life? How do we connect with others? What is our relationship with, like with our family and our friends? And we begin to be invited into what I call the kingdom paradoxes of Jesus, where here's what the world says to do, and here's what Jesus says to do, and they are exactly opposite. Here's what they are. The first one is gain by losing, and I have verses that you can look up later to kind of build this, but the scriptures tell us that when we lose our life, that's when we find it. That doesn't make any sense, but sometimes that's just the trust that we have in scripture, that when we lose our life in the hands of Jesus, that's when we truly gain it. That's when we truly find it. That's when we begin to truly realize what we were created for. Live by dying. It says that when we lay down our life for others, that's when we begin to truly live. When we take up our cross and follow Jesus and die to ourselves daily, that's when we truly begin to live. I think Jesus was not only the most powerful person to ever live, not only the, oh, the most meek person to ever live, but I think he lived fully alive. Yeah. Because he understood who he was and he understood who God was in his life. We rise up when bowing down. When is the last time when adversity showed up in your life, whether it was emotionally, in your mental health situation, at your job, in your relationships, instead of like, all right, I'm going to Google the 10 steps how to get out of this, or I'm going to, you know, figure out this way where I can navigate myself up. We tried to rise up with knowledge, rise up with strength, rise up performance. When was the last time instead we said, hey, you know what, God? It's yours. I'm just going to bow down, and I know that that's when I'm going to rise in you, and I can only do this with you. So instead, I'm going to take the spiritual response and bow down and not try and rise up in my own power, but to surrender to your power and put my strength under control so that I can rise up above these things and be on the side of God and be with Jesus who is there for me no matter what. Come on, are you receiving this today, local city? Does this help you out today? All right. 
half of us, by the end, it'll be all of us. It's going to be great. All right, we're first when we're last. Now, I went to a private school growing up, went to a Christian school, and we would read this verse in Matthew where it says, and those of you who are the first will be last, and the last will be first. And after that Bible lesson during the day, all of us would run to the door and say, hey, teacher, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be last in line. Normally, I try to be first, but I'm going to be last in line today because I listen to you. I'm doing a great job, so can I... Do something first later, because I decided to be last here, right? First one last. Oh, this is a great one. We're alive when serving. We're not alive when we're doing what we want. We're doing what's comfortable when we're filling our own desires. We're alive when we're serving other people. Once again, my fa- one of my favorite verses about Jesus, I came to serve, not to be served, but to serve and give my life. It's why when we talk about this thing I'm going to talk about, it is not an announcement. It's an invitation to live fully alive and begin to find the purpose and make a difference with your life. Over the next two weeks, next week we have growth track step one right here after service. I would encourage you to put it on your calendar. If you have not, come to growth track. We got childcare and snacks during it after service, and it's a great time where you can realize I'm going to step into serving and truly live fully alive because the most fulfilled people in our church are the ones who are serving. Not only serving, but the very last one, they are growing while they are giving. They're growing while they're giving. Proverbs eleven twenty five 25 says, those who give will be refreshed. And the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Because here's the big idea about meekness as we begin to kind of turn the corner in and close here. The big idea about meekness is that it is the abiding place for God's provision. I love that phrase. Abiding place means it's a place where I stay. It's a place where I rest. It's a place that I seek to find, and when I find it, I stay there. Why? Because it's where God provides. I don't know about you, but I just always want to be in the place where God provides, even before I may need it. I want to be in the place where God provides. And here's what that is. Uh, You know me. I like to give you little examples, all right? So again, Adrian said that meekness is not weakness. So when we think of meekness, when we think of humility, it's not, sometimes we think of this, but it's not this. It's not living this life like just some feather kind of floating through life. Like, okay, all things are good. You know, the wind's taking me this way. The wind's taking me that way. Oh, it's, it's soft to the touch. It's very nice. It's kind of floaty kind of back and forth. Yes. It's just, this is not what it is. It's not floating back and forth. It's not just, okay, eventually it's going to hit the ground and, you know, I'll be stepped all over and walked on. No, that's not what it is. I stick to anything that comes my way. It's not this soft kind of lowly place of life, but it's also not this because some of us think about this when it comes to our faith and we're like, oh yeah, we're right. Come on. Yes. Turn or burn, baby. If you don't believe what the Bible says, you're going to hell. That's what I grew up with, all right, when I was going to church as a five-year-old. Had to go through some counseling for that after kindergarten. But the thing is, it's not about this, but where do we see it today? If this is you. I'm not saying you're in here, but hey, it might be some time here to take a little chill pill. Open up social media for five minutes, and you'll see some people who are like, yeah, you're wrong. I'm going to hammer you over with the truth that I have, and all I'm going to do is prove you right, and I'm going to tell you how you're wrong, bang bang, 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 I'm right, let me beat you down so I feel better about myself. That is obviously not meekness, but it's also not the heart of God, and it's not the posture of Jesus. It's not what it is at all. You want to be in the abiding place where God provides? 
realizing, yes, I have strength, realizing, yes, I could continue to fight and prove myself, but ultimately, the biding place where God provides is just when you wave the white flag. And so, you know what, God, I can't do this without you because I'm not going to fight till the death. I'm just going to trust you, and I'm going to join what you're doing because you lead to victory. Your life leads to healing and strength. So I'm just going to continue to wave the white flag in all these areas. Blessed are the meek, for I'm going to inherit the earth. I would, I would ask you today, where can you lay down the hammer and realize you're not a feather, but ultimately realize, yes, you've been created with some strength and some power, but not, it's not truly power and strength until you surrender it and put it back in the hands of Jesus. I surrender my fear to you, God. Jesus, I give you my stress. I give you my worries and my cares. I'm just going to constantly surrender it to you today. So let me give you a few things real quick as we close. Number one, the posture of meekness is a repentant heart. This might be a good practice every morning or every evening. These are practical things for us to do, not just nice things. A, a repentant heart to say, God, here's where I messed up today. Would you help me repent of those things? I just need to repent of maybe the way where I've been carrying a hammer instead of your heart and your, your love. I need to repent from some of these things that I've constantly done or these addictions that I've had in my life. I need to repent and turn from them and turn to you. And the heart is from the inside out, not just saying it, but realizing our heart has not just turned from sin and brokenness, but it's turned to Jesus in the process. A lot of times we say, yep, no, I don't need this anymore. We just turn this way, but we forget full repentance is a 180 of moving away from this and turning towards Jesus and following him now. A repentant heart is one that is open, is one that is willing to admit when it's wrong, and it's the ultimate posture of meekness, realizing that I can never do anything on my own to bring myself out of the darkness that I'm in. As we talked about last week, I can either cope with all this or I can find healing in the person that brings me out of the darkness and into the light, who brings me out of the hurt and into the healing. And that person is Jesus. The second thing is, is I can have a repentant heart, but if I don't have number two, then it's all for nothing. I need to have a receptive spirit. Yeah. I think about it this way. If, if we love coffee, right? We have free coffee outside. Take as much as you want, right? right? But if I were to walk up to that coffee dispenser and I had my cup of coffee, and I went under the coffee dispenser, and I turned the spout on, but I still had the lid on the cup, coffee would go everywhere. And the cup would not be able to receive anything that the big reservoir is trying to give it. If you saw me doing that, you'd say, hey, pastor, have you, are you all right? Have you slept? Like, well, you realize the lid's on, right? You're not going to be able to receive anything while the lid's on. And I believe a lot of times because of our lack of Meekness. I know in the lack of humility in my life, I've gone up to God and say, God, give me the things that I need. I need your help right now. I need your strength. I need your courage. I need your provision and blessing. But I'm keeping the lid on because I don't want people to see or God to see how truly empty I am. I don't want God to see how truly many, how many times I've worked so hard but left him in the dust. I don't want him to, I don't want to be fully transparent before him. But a receptive spirit says, you know what? It's, I'm done playing games. I'm done trying to perform. I just want to show God that I'm empty and broken and nothing without you and everything that I have is yours. So would you just pour into my life? Would you pour into my heart? Pour into my spirit every single thing that you have? God, if it's from you, I want it. I want to receive it today. And from the depth of who I am not in my spirit, I want to be receptive to you so that then I can move to number three, which is a responsive life where I begin to change 
See, it's not just about Sundays getting inspired and getting encouraged. It's about seeing life change happen in who we are to respond to the message today. I thought about, you know, it's Mother's Day, right? I thought about just one of the most meek people who ever lived in our time, and that would be Mother Teresa. I wanted to share with you a quote that, that she wrote down that I wanted to share with you today. It's just really powerful. Humility is the mother of all virtues, purity, charity, and obedience. It is in being humble that our love becomes real, devoted, and ardent. If you are humble, nothing will touch you, neither praise nor disgrace, because you know what you are. If you are blamed, you will not be discouraged. If they call you a saint, you will not put yourself on a pedestal. Mother of all virtues, realizing I'm nothing without God and I'm here to serve. Mother Teresa was so humble that anytime there were donations, she would give to those who are in need first. There's a biographer who wrote about her and studied her life and noticed that her feet were completely deformed because the reason was is because when there would be a donation of shoes, she would give out all the ones to the people who were in need and her team members and those who served with her. And she would take the last pair for herself, whether they were too small or they didn't fit or it was two left feet, whatever it was, she would take those because it was, hey, I'm here to serve and do whatever it takes to help those around me. So when we, when we find that posture, here's the reward. Again, it says in scripture, blessed are the meek for you will receive this inheritance. The first one is you live with an uncommon security. Yeah. I pray that blesses you today because if there's one testimony that we have that speaks to the rest of the world, it's that we live with an uncommon security, that we don't respond to the chaoses and troubles and strife of culture in the world like everybody else. When there's a social media debate going on, we are not entering into it. When there is anger going on, we are not getting into it. We are not surrendering ourselves to that. When difficulties are, in, are happening in our life, we demonstrate courage and strength because we have an uncommon security. Because yes, when God provides for you, it'll be a testimony. Yeah. When God provides healing and blessing, yes, it will be a testimony. But I believe what it is even a stronger testimony in the current culture that we live in is when we are walking through hell on earth, but come hell or high water, we're still surrendering and trusting Jesus and coming to church and getting in our small group and realizing that God is God and we are not. God is in control and we are not. So I walk with an uncommon security when people say, how are you getting through this life? You are secure when you say, it's because God is for me. Nothing can stand against me. Come on, I'm walking through humble and meek, knowing that the Son of God is on my side. And you're still going? I mean, I feel like God's not, it doesn't matter if God does one more thing for me. He's done enough through His Son Jesus, so I have an uncommon security. Second one is that you live with a higher perspective. You see things differently. You see pain differently. You see need differently. You see opportunities to serve differently. And your perspective is higher. Set your, thing, set your mind on the things above, the things of heaven, so you don't get down in the weeds with everyone else. Your perspective is higher. And the last one is you live with supernatural power. Meekness is not weakness. I'm not telling you to walk around like a doormat the rest of your life. But I am saying you walk around with supernatural power. Sometimes that supernatural power is not saying something and understanding God will take care of it. God will fight your battles for you. Yes. 
but also it's supernatural power to realize that sometimes in meekness, I need to realize that I need to pray for that person that, I'm coming to, that comes across my path. I need to pray for that friend, for that family member. I need to invite them to church here because I know there is supernatural power that is on my side. That again, when I pray, God, be there. When I pray, God, move. When I ask God to show up, he actually does and miracles can happen because there is supernatural power on my side. Listen, that power does not have to live through us on the platform. It is in your seat today because you're sitting there and God knows who you are and the Holy Spirit wants to move and bring strength to your life and help people see that you walk with power that doesn't hurt but power that serves and helps those around you and reminds people of the truth that God gives us the grace that God gives us but ultimately the full life that we have been created to live and I'll tell you what this inheritance this supernatural power when you come in that place of humility and meekness, it'll put you in rooms you never thought you would be in. It would put you in influences you never thought that you would have because you surrendered it. And so you're not coming with your power of what you can control. You're coming with the full power of the creator of the universe saying, hey, if I'm gonna put them, if I'm gonna appoint them, no man's gonna silence them. No man's gonna get in their way. This inheritance, this supernatural power only comes when we're submitted because it's God who does the work. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. The battle is mine, says the Lord. Submission and that humility perspective puts you in rooms and gives you influence you never would have had on your own. Come on, if you receive that today, local city, let's stand to our feet. Let's give God some praise today. Come on, bless are the meek for we're gonna inherit the earth today. Here's what I wanna close today. I wanna read this for you. It's, it's two things. I wanna read first some scripture to you from Philippians chapter two, five through eight the meekness of Jesus demonstrated. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus was the one who had the right to say, you know what, I'm God, so you better listen to what I'm saying. Now Jesus said, hey, yes, I'm God, but I'm here to serve you. And I'm here to bless you because what I'm about to tell you is so powerful and will help you so much. And to close full circle, uh, I stumbled across this humility list written by Mother Teresa that she read every single day. And I wanted to encourage you today as we close. Number one, speak as little as possible about yourself. We'll just let that one sit in a quiet moment here for a second. Speak as little as possible about yourself. Keep busy with your own affairs and not those of others. Accept small irritations with good humor. Do not dwell on the faults of others. Accept being forgotten and disregarded with ease. Be courteous and delicate even when provoked by someone. Do not protect yourself behind your own dignity. I wanted to stay on that one for just one second to explain what that means. We're not out here to protect ourselves. We're here to serve other people. And sometimes, even when we feel broken, God's called us to fill someone else's cup. And I understand when we're empty and we're burnt out, yes, we need to take a breath. But sometimes what will fill you is filling someone else and not hiding behind our own weakness, but stepping out to serve and walk in the supernatural power and uncommon security of Jesus. Give in, when discuss give in to discussions even when you are right, uh, no, laying it down. 
just give in. And the last one, I love this, choose always the more difficult task. And what I want to encourage you with as we close, the difficult task is always to wave the white flag and to surrender. And today, that's the invitation that we have for you. See, maybe you've been trying to perform, you've been trying to achieve, but today in this quiet moment as we close service today, it's time just to lay down and say, you know what? I surrender, Jesus. I surrender those feelings. I surrender those emotions. I give them to you. I want to be humbled. I want to walk in meekness today. I want to serve those around me. I want to do whatever I can to point people to you and not me anymore. I surrender, I surrender, I surrender. What is that area of your life today where you haven't yet waved the white flag? And today is the day. Today is the day. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we finish this morning?